It's the Rush Fancast. It's Steve and Jerry. Jerry, we're not joking around. No. I don't know if you realize this, but on all of the other podcasts we've done, we've been joking around. We have. We've been... We really have been joking around. Yeah, but today... Not taking anything seriously at all. Today, we have no choice but to take things seriously. It's true. Because we're doing a farewell to kings today. That's right. No more joking. No laughing. This is serious. <laughs> oh, sorry. This is serious <laughs> stuff. A farewell to kings. I mean, yeah, this is one of the greatest. This is one of the greatest. I think I don't think I need to check and see. Well, does Jerry like this yeah. or yeah. or not? I think you do. Let me let me ask the eight ball. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram the Rushcast, email Jerry the Rushcast at gmail.com. The emails keep pouring in. We appreciate it. The bass intro today, as always, done by... Lex. By Lex. He's the greatest. Rate us on your favorite podcast app. We like that, too. I have a Twitter poll for you, Jer. Wow. We did Counterparts a few weeks back. Yeah, we did. And we talked about side one of Counterparts yep. a few weeks back. That was I'll remind you one. of the songs on side one of Counterparts. Thank you. Animate. Stick is this, it. Is this what's your favorite song? Right. Okay. Animate. Stick it out. Cut to the Chase, Nobody's Hero, and Between Sun and Moon. Now, before you give me an answer, Between Sun and Moon, I upset quite a few Rush fans when I posted this poll, because as you know on Twitter, they only give you four choices. So I had to pick one to drop. And normally I would just post the first four songs on the poll and drop the last one. Did you drop Cut to the Chase? But I love Between Sun and Moon so much, I figured I got to give it a shot to win this poll. So I dropped Cut to the Chase. People did not like that. But if people like Cut to the Chase, they should have voted for it. Well, they did. In the comments. They did. They did vote for it in the comments, but I guess they thought I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have dissed it by dropping it. Yeah. Which, I, I but I had a, to diss one song. I, I got an email or two about how people like Cut to the Chase. And people how, love how Cut to the Chase. I am about Cut to the Chase. Well, I still think you are wrong about Cut to the Chase. <laughs> Didn't you just say... Didn't I just say what? No, I said out of the five songs, I tried to guess which one would get the least amount of votes, and that's the one I dropped. Right. So because you Not, hate because you hated it so much, it oh, kind of oh, colored see, my opinion, I, I think. I see what you're doing. And I, I'm blaming you're you. You're pushing it on me. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get hit with a pie There you in the go. face. Anyway, Cut to the Chase didn't win the poll. So we've got Animate, Stick It Out, Nobody's Hero, Between Sun and Moon. What do you think? Animate. Yes. 46%. Can I guess the second one? Sure. Between Sun and Moon. No. Nobody's Hero. Oh, okay. Another song you don't like. Yes. Between Sun and Moon, 16%. Stick It Out got 13%. I was surprised by that. Stick It Out came in last. And I oh. think it would have come in last. I think Cut to the Chase would have beaten it. That's how many... How many... Com- what, what did Cut to the Chase get? I don't know. I, it just got a bunch of comments. A lot of oh, comments. Okay. A lot of comments. Not enough. Oh, yeah, to, that's right. Not enough to overtake Animate, I don't think. You but a lot of comments. You didn't count those absentee ballots? I uh, did not have count. Have you th- paid attention to the last two presidential elections <laughs> here in the United States of America? There were some hanging chads <laughs> on the Twitter Wait, poll. that was longer ago. That guy, the hanging that was chads thing? Ago. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Boy. That was a long time ago. I just had like a, a mental something. So I had a mental something when I was listening to A Farewell to King's Chair. Quite an album, this is. Yeah. What, what were you, were you transported back to uh, the stately Pleasure Dome? I think I was. This album, I forgot. I didn't forget, but it's so good. Yeah, this album. It's so good. If I was going to rank all the Rush albums, 
my favorites to my least favorite, I might put this one number one. Wow. I really might. But wow. then but then if I listen to another album for a week straight, I might pick that one. Yeah, I listened to this album like five times this week. It's so good. Today, yeah. if I made the list today, it would be number one. <laughs> yeah, if I made it right. if I made it in a couple of weeks when we do hemispheres, I might I might change my mind. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. For me, uh, from a farewell to kings through grace under pressure it's, it's a near perfect run of albums and songs and to give everyone a peek behind the curtain that's what we're going to do the next albums we're going to talk about we're going to do in that order from a farewell to kings right through grace under pressure right and it's going so, to be great so to me that block is the that's highest a, rush well that's a big block it is a big block but who, who else they had how many albums is that do the math. Do the math. <laughs> Come on. See, you're you're doing it to me. The do the, do, math. Do the math. You said no math. one ever said it, and you just said I'm it. I'm trying to I'm trying to get the ball rolling. All right. Well, I, there's a farewell to kings, yeah. hemispheres, permanent waves, moving pictures. <laughs> you're gonna make me name them all. Yeah. Signals. Grace, Grace under pressure. pressure. Six albums. Okay, that's not that per- many. Yeah, but still, six great albums in a row, in a row, Steve. Yeah. Uh, again, un- to me, unprecedented. Six great. Albums. See, I would throw Power Windows in there with the great album run, don't you think? Well, yeah, I'm thinking of it in a different, like for me, Power Windows really began a different segment of great Rush albums. Okay. I think for like, you know, the post-2112 pre-keyboardy, this block of six stands above. All right. We're going to check it out. Right. We're going to do that. The next bunch of podcasts, like, except for Countdown, it's the one. It's the one fly in the ointment for me. The song Countdown. The one. That's one song out of all those six albums. That's the fly in the ointment for yep. you. Every other song. Is Spoiler great. alert. <laughs> <laughs> just just skip over um, signals and you'll be fine. There you go. So, a farewell to Kings is Rush's fifth studio album. Jar released September nineteen seventy seven. So right. I was eight years old yeah. when this album came out, and I was not aware that, that was it was released. A, no. I had no idea about Rush when I was eight years old, unfortunately. I should have looked to see what was popular in 1977 that I might have been listening to. Disco? Yeah, maybe. I was listening to my brother's Beatles albums in 1977. So my brother had moved out of my house and left behind all his records, mostly Beatles records. So that's what I was listening to. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I was listening to Donna Summer. Okay. Well, that makes sense. You were you were eight. I was eight. What did you know? What did I know? So this album was recorded at Rockfield Studio in Wales, Jer. Yeah. First time Rush did not record in Toronto. And they recorded a lot of this album outdoors. Outdoors. Which is amazing to me. Yeah, that's not at the beginning of, um, well, I guess at the beginning of uh, A Farewell to Kings. That's not studio magic. No. That's natural magic. They were just outside. They were just outside. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. And Neil Peart said the seclusion and mellow atmosphere created a productive environment and also allowed them to record outdoors, yeah. which we just said. So uh, he was excited about that. The other thing about this album is just all the new instruments these guys were playing. Yeah. Neil's percussion is just crazy. Blocks. He's got like the tubular bells going. He's yeah. got the chimes going. He's trying everything. Yeah. And using it all just masterfully, I think. And of course. Getty with the double neck. The bass yeah, and yeah. the guitar. Yep. When I think of the Farewell to Kings, I think of Getty with the double neck. Yeah. Well, Alex, too. Yeah. How many songs did they actually play with the double neck other than Xanadu? Did it ever come up again? 
but it's so iconic to see the two of them with those double neck guitars. You know, I don't know if he used it on a farewell to Kings. I mean, I've never, I never saw them play that song, so I don't know. I meant on the album. Oh, I'm playing it on the album. I meant. Oh, know, I don't know. During Xanadu. I don't know. Somebody knows. Somebody will let us know. Do you know the singles? We talk about the singles all the time. I do. The singles from A Farewell to Kings. I do know the first single. Was. And I know it only because of A Farewell, a making of The Farewell to Kings. Okay. A graphic novel. Oh, nice. It was Closer to the Heart. There you go. That was the first single. And what was the second single? And you, the, I think you can guess. I can. Well, I mean, it's not Xanadu because Xanadu is 11 <laughs> minutes long. And it's not Cygnus X1 because that is also almost 11, song. Al- almost 11 minutes long. And not exactly radio friendly. Yeah. How about, um, I don't know, just tell me. Cinderella Man. Oh, I was Cinderella Man, Jer. And uh, Closer to the Heart was a huge, huge hit. Huge hit. And this album was the first Rush album to be certified gold. I've read that a couple times, but what happened to 2112? Well, this is what I read. They were both certified gold on the same day. So I don't know how they figured which one hit gold first. But this album is listed as the one that was certified gold first. 2112 was certified gold on the same day, I guess a few minutes later. (laughs) Yeah, later in the afternoon. And All the World's a Stage was also certified gold the same month. So they had three albums certified gold within a month of each other. I just always assumed that 2112 sold a lot better than 500,000 copies, considering. Well, it did, but I think it was a slow build. Think about it, though. 2112 did not have a hit like Closer to the Heart. That was Rush's first big radio hit. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it came out in 76, and this is 77. Yeah. I remember that, too. Yeah, and it wasn't that long long after, really. So it it took a while. Right. So this sold faster. Yes. And I think it's because of Closer to the Heart, I would guess. Yeah. So when we get into the songs, there's only two songs on side one which we uh, just researched before we started the podcast, A Farewell to Kings and Xanadu. So why don't we jump into the first song, A Farewell to Kings. Yeah, let's do it. When they turn the pages of history When these days have passed long ago Will they read a much with sadness For the seeds that we let go We turned our days from the castles in So, Jared, the classical guitar at the beginning of this song yeah. just shows Alex's... Range? Yeah. Abilities? It's amazing. It I mean, if amazing. you listen to Cygnus X1, that's basically a heavy metal song. Yeah. And the beginning of this song is beautiful classical guitar. And, you know, coming off of 2112, which is, you know, in my mind is, is a heavier album all across the board, mm-hmm. to start the next album with a light and airy outdoors classical guitar with birds singing what that's I mean, that's what i was wondering rush fans 
back in 1977. We were not Rush fans at the time. After listening to 2112, wearing that out on the record players, yeah. they go out and get this, and that's the first thing they hear. What right. do you think they're thinking? I don't know. I mean, they just think that this band is is so experimental. Yeah. I mean, back if you're, I guess if you were into Prague in the 70s, maybe you were expecting this kind of thing. Different albums sounding different ways. Uh, I was never a big Yeah, but Ru- was Rush really Prague until this album came out? No, that's true. You no, know, they say really they were Prague. weren't Prague. I think this is their first real Prague album, no? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when people always, uh, I've had conversations with non-Rush fans about Rush, and they say like, oh, they're just a Prague band. And I'm like, yeah. No. Maybe for a few years, they might have been shoehorned into the Prague mm-hmm. world, but they're not really a Prague band in my mind. I think this album and Hemispheres are their two Prague-iest albums. Right. And other than that, yeah, maybe a little bit, but mm. this is a Prague album, I think. Yeah. And that first minute, I'm just wondering what's going through the Rush fan's head in that first minute before the, the guitar kicks in. Yeah. The opening of this album is one of the most unexpected album openers in the entire rush catalog it has to be yeah if you were like you said if you were a fan of 2112 and you're stoked 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 that they have a new album out and you throw that thing on the turntable and you you (laughs) hear the birds chirping and the and the the bells and the keyboards at the beginning you're probably like what he's got but then it then it just crashes in right yeah it's crazy yeah it is an incredible song now i found an article on a website called Louder. Oh yeah. Did I you read? Did you read this article about uh, the making of a Farewell to Kings? Yeah. I want to give them credit because I'm going to pull a lot of quotes from this article. They did an interview with Getty and Alex on the 40th anniversary right. of a Farewell to Kings, and it was just a, a great interview. And as I was researching for this podcast, I said, "Well, I got to use some of this stuff because it's great." So Louder, thanks for this great article. Getty said the guitar at the start of a Farewell to Kings was recorded outside. The acoustic was recorded out there to get a really crisp sound, and I remember Alex walking around this mic that Terry had set up while he was playing. He was like a troubadour. He was playing as he walked around, and naturally, every troubadour has this guy trailing behind him playing a mini moog. (laughs) (laughs) So they recorded the mini moog outdoors too? So I'm playing the mini moog outside, and Neil's hitting the twinkles or whatever he was hitting (laughs) off the front of that. He was always hitting something, and Alex is walking around this mic recording the opening of A Farewell to Kings. So it was quite fun. You can hear the Welsh birds singing in the background unless they flew in from somewhere else. They could be accidentals, as they're called in the trade. Ooh, in the bird yeah. watching community. Yeah. <laughs> accidentals. Getty's a bird watcher. He is a bird we, watcher. Which we learned earlier. Yeah. I didn't realize that the entire opening was recorded outside. I thought just the guitar was. So are we to picture a microphone set up, I don't know where, let's say a courtyard. Yeah, I've seen pictures of Neil's drums outside. But the beginning of it with the bells and the yeah. and the guitar and the little uh, keyboard part, they're just all walking around in a circle. Is that what we're getting from this? I guess, yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. But it sounds so good. It the sound sound of this album yeah. is completely different from every other album. Every single album. The, the Even Hemispheres, which was recorded at the same studio, doesn't sound like this album. Right. Hemispheres is, is way polished. Compared to the sound of this album. It's just so raw and just so... There's some sort of echoey kind of quality to it that I can't pinpoint what it is. But it's great. Yeah. Alex's guitar, I don't even... 
because again he i don't think he plays he doesn't have that kind of sound on any other album no it's and i don't know how he got it he so, may I'm not so even glad know how he, he got it i mean he, it may have just been a happy coincidence you they, know they're outside and the sound was just perfect on those I'm particular about, days they recorded they might have only recorded in a couple of days yeah i'm talking about the uh, electric oh yeah that's what i mean yeah the thing too is that in this album there's so much space so much like empty space around mm -hmm. the different instruments even the guitar you know it's not a wall of electric guitar it has like pockets mm -hmm. of air in it it's just stupendous amazing i need really. my i need my thesaurus for this one <laughs> <laughs> uh i love the bass and the drums in the solo part just just great yeah who uh, we, i should have looked to see what time that was in they had just gone nuts, a lot right? of the songs on this album are in seven four time and i think this is one of them okay yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's crazy and the other thing i wanted to mention before we even get into the lyrics and all that the band is so tight oh. on this record yeah I mean, just in perfect time. Yeah. Getty and Neil are symbiotic. You know, it's just yeah. bang, bang, bang. And Alex, too. I mean, amazing. It is. I can't even get over it. I know. And I can't, how, I can't how get old, over it. How old are they? We did that. Uh, oh, they're like 25, something like that. Right. Yeah, 25, 26. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. I mean, if you saw 25-year-olds now put something like this out, you'd bow to them. Like these guys are <laughs> unbelievable. Right. It's crazy. And weren't they 20... Didn't we say they were 27 when Moving Pictures came out in 80? Yeah, so that would make them 24 then. 24? Yeah. Neil was 25. God. Old coot. That is un <laughs> unbelievable to be playing uh, like this. Not only to be playing like this, because obviously they're playing like this their whole career so far, but just the creativity of this album is... Bar none, one of the greatest albums of the 70s, if yeah. you ask me. So here, here's a quote from Alex Lifeson. I know From him. the same Louder article. Thank you, Louder. We set up on the cobblestone courtyard with a pair of mics. Courtyard. And created our own stereo spread. I do recall walking back and forth, trying to concentrate on my playing while not crashing into Neil. <laughs> it was a complex song to write. In many ways, it's simple and direct, but we could never accept that. So dropping a note here or inserting a weird note there made things more interesting for us and for the listener. Odd time signatures were a great way to keep the listeners scratching their heads and counting on all fingers. But the weird thing about Rush, or maybe the great thing about Rush, is that you don't even notice the no. time signatures. No. The changes in time signatures. I don't know how they do that. It's some, it is some kind of alchemy. Because you listen to like bands like, uh, I don't know, what, what's that prog band that you gave me uh, a couple of albums of? King Crimson. Oh, okay, yeah. Listen to King Crimson, and you know that they're playing some funky, weird time. Right. Because it's just like in your face. I love King Crimson. I know you do. You don't? No, I didn't like them that much. <laughs> and maybe it's because of that. Like, You think they're trying, it sounds like they're trying too hard to be weird? N I don't know what it is, but I know that Rush, they can be interesting. And that's what makes, I guess, their music interesting, is that they're doing these interesting things, but making it uh, a little more palatable in some way. I don't know how. Right? Yeah, I, I never thought about it either. And But if you actually sit down and think about it, right. it's clear that Something's this song is in, is in a different time signature for sure. Yeah. So I got another quote from this Louder article, Jim. Okay. After about three weeks, we were working later and later into the night and sleeping later and later till eventually we got our schedule completely back to front where we were having breakfast at supper time and working all night long and crashing 
after the ba-ba was happening in the morning. There apparently were sheep outside the studio. Oh, nice. The birds and the ba's. That was bedtime for us. That's why you hear so many birds when we recorded outside. I'm amazed there aren't any sheep on the album. That's great. Uh, yeah, that, was Getty. that was Getty, and Lifeson said it was quiet at Rockfield, to be sure, very conducive to working, except for the constant bleeding of sheep. Mm, not getting anyone's way. <laughs> sheep. So anything else about uh, just the sound of this song and, and the record in general, Jar? No, it's just perfection to me. Really is. And so, again, such a such a, a weird album. It's a weird album for them because it's the way it came off of 2112. Yeah. The sound of it and then the sound of the next album. It's like it's just like some kind of intermediary sound. Yeah. Which it, isn't bad. It's just it's great. I find it great the sound of the album. Is great. It's just perfect. Yeah. So so what about the lyrics, Jer? Oh, the lyrics. Hold on. This is this is your forte. It is. Uh, I'm I'm going to let you tell me what this song is about and I'll see if I had any clue after you tell me what the song is about well i don't know what the song's about either i, I don't really know what any of these songs are about you're the one who well, what's your theory you're you're the one who pulls out the quotes that just that, that i don't have any quotes on this so that's oh, okay. so that's just it i i don't have any anything from neil about what's behind this song so your theory is, is what we're going to go with okay this song is about looking for some kind of leadership. Okay. That's going to, you know, bring us into a better future. That's what I think. Okay. Why, why it's called the Farewell to Kings, I don't know. See, I always thought it was about leaders of the past. Like, you know, it's it almost sounds like it's it's from a, an earlier time that he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, not it, the current time. Am I wrong? Well, it definitely has, you know, some some old references in them from the ye olde times. Right. But I think that might just be the setting of the story as opposed to what the meaning of the story okay. is. Because it opens up when they turn the pages of history, when these days have passed long ago, will they read of us with sadness for the seeds that we let grow? Well, it could be talking about today, really. Yeah, it could be talking about today. but Or 1977. This, yes. Or today. Or today. You know, the things that we do now, future generations will look back and say, why didn't they do anything earlier about this? Right. They knew it was there. Or, like climate change. Like climate change. Right. Or it, just pick your topic. Mm -hmm. They, not only did they, you know, let this happen, but they sowed the seeds for it. Mm -hmm. So what, what are future generations going to say about us? And it's a, it's a timeless question. So it's, it's sort of just about the general disillusionment with politics and government. I think so. Because okay. the next line, it talks about, it says, we turn our gaze from the castles in the distance, eyes cast down on the path of least resistance. See, now the word castles makes me think he's talking about a, you know, a medieval times or something. Yeah, But he could definitely. be talking about any time, really. Yeah, I think if you want to speak metaphorically, I think castles would be the, like, the ruling class, the people who are supposedly know what's going on. So you the know? U.S. Capitol could be a castle, metaphorically. Yeah, sure. Okay. So... But they're not, they're not looking at that anymore. They're not looking at the place where decisions are made and where decision, where things can be changed. They're casting their eyes down and taking the path of least resistance because they just don't want to, you know, fight the fight. Okay. And that's why they're letting those seeds grow. Makes sense. So, yeah, I mean. I love these lyrics. Again, I, I don't know exactly what they mean, but I think, I think they just sound great and they're well written. They, yeah. 
I know. And the cities full of hatred, fear, and lies, withered hearts, and cruel tormented eyes, scheming demons dressed in kingly guise, beating down the multitudes, and scoffing at the wise. And Getty sings them so well. He does. I mean, they're perfectly written for Getty to sing. Yeah. I think. Yep. Scheming demons. That's great. Yeah. And I, I think this is where the song kind of makes a, a, a turn. If like the younger generation starts to do things positive, mm-hmm. right? Starts to sow good seeds and the people in power are going to try and knock them down, right? Okay. The, the hypocrites are slandering the sacred halls of truth. Ancient nobles showering their bitterness on youth. These are great rhymes. These are great <laughs> can't we find the line that can we find the minds that made us strong oh can't we learn to feel what's right and what's wrong what's and this wrong? is from the mind of a 25 year old kid <laughs> writing this yeah. Jared. think about this right so it's another it's another song of struggle right yeah against the powers that be but it's also a, a very open-hearted kind of song because you know close to the heart yeah comes later and kind of he I don't know if he quotes closer to the heart. I don't, I don't know which was written first, but the last lines are, can't we find the minds to lead us closer to the heart? Well, actually, first he says, can't we raise our eyes and make a star, which goes back to the beginning when their eyes were cast down. Mm-hmm. Like, can't they make the decision to look to the future? Yeah. And that future is bringing things closer to the heart. Now, do you think these two songs are connected? We could talk about this more when we talk about closer to the heart, but I think these songs are connected in a way. Do you think? In message yeah i think so yeah because it, it's closer to well i guess we should talk yeah. about closer to yeah about i just we'll go back i was looking for a yes or no yes okay good <laughs> i do actually have a quote from neil i forgot i okay. do have a quote from neil about this song okay it encapsulates everything we want rush to represent exactly yeah why do i even speak <laughs> let's, let's just read what he says it's true yeah it is true so that that's all i got from neil the, but but yeah. Yeah. It's the, the young kids, you know, they're wondering what the future is going to think of the things that they do now. So they should do some things now. Yeah. To make the future proud. I have another quote from Getty, not about this song, but about the album. This is from Rush.com. It's the only one of our albums. Now, this was 1978. He said this. It's the only one of our albums from apart from 2112 that I can really live with. I've yet to look at it and start finding fault with it. Pick it apart, you know. It still sounds so positive. So now at this yeah, time, they only had five albums. You can't pick this album apart. No. There's nothing to pick apart. Not at all. You can't even find tweezers small enough to pick something out of this album. Yeah. It's, it really, really is amazing. The lyrics are great. The music is perfect. Yeah. And it is a great encapsulation of Rush's uh, message of making things better for yeah. yourself and for the future. And not listening to the people who try to keep you down and stop you from doing it. Yeah. Way to go, Neil. Yeah. Well, and I think after what they went through with 2112 and how they triumphed, I mean, this is the first album that they recorded where they knew they could do whatever they wanted to do. Right. If that gamble paid off. Yeah. No, well, they knew. (laughs) I mean, you know, 2112 was a huge success. Right. They recorded that album thinking it was going to be the last album they ever recorded. And this one they recorded knowing... We can do whatever we want. Right. We don't have to, we don't have to care what anybody thinks. Yep. The record company doesn't care. We nor can do whatever they. we want, nor should they. Yeah. So they were kind of free when they recorded this album. Yeah. A little bit of freedom, creative freedom. Yeah. Not that they didn't have it before, but I mean, they recorded the other albums as if they had creative freedom, but they sort of really didn't. And yeah. And just kind of went against the man. Right. 
and I also think at the, at the end um, where they're where the the lyrics reference closer to the heart. I think they also look forward to hemispheres, where you know hemispheres is what is it? Uh, heart and mind, heart and mind divided, spirit left unguided. Is that the lyric? Mm-hmm. Again, so we're just talking about the the heart being an important part of a good life, being a decent person, and all that jazz. All right. Yeah. So with that Great song. Let's uh, let's move on to track two on a farewell to Kings Jar. Xanadu. So Xanadu, Jar, this this isn't one of your favorite songs, is it? Mm, no, maybe yeah. it might go in the bottom. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking we were talking about top ten Rush songs, yeah, bottom ten Rush songs. I think I might put three songs from this record on my top ten if oh, I was I, making a top ten. I know it'd be so hard. It will be so hard to do. If we do a top ten, leaving songs out of that top ten is going to be. Near impossible. If we can do a top 10, but every number has is like 1A, 1B, 1C, maybe. Xanadu has to be in my top 10. I yeah. could never, ever, ever knock this song out of the top 10. Something, something else would have to go. Yeah. This is amazing for yeah, me. Yeah, this is a masterpiece of masterpieces. Really is. So I learned something interesting. From, okay. It's from the graphic novel, The Making of... A Farewell to Kings. I think I know what you're going to say. But Do you? Yeah, go ahead. No, so, you tell uh, me. I'll uh, tell you if, I, if that's what I was thinking. So uh, The Making of a Farewell to Kings, the graphic novel by Fantoons, is really good. But the best part of it is when they say that Xanadu was recorded in one take. One take. That's exactly what I was going to say. One. That's crazy to one me. One take. That is crazy pants. There's a quote from Alex. Okay. In the in in the graphic novel, there was a great benefit to a lot of preparation. Set your instruments up, plug them in, get some levels, and then played it all the way through once. That's crazy. Really? It is. Now they must have played it again and then just decided that the first take was the best, right? I don't know. You think they just did one take and that's that? I mean, could you listen back? And say, yeah, let's tr- we could do that one a little better. <laughs> it's it's um, unbelievable. <laughs> it so is. He, here's a, here's a quote from that um, louder article. We okay. have played Xanadu before we recorded it. You know the easy songs an audience can take in and appreciate without knowing what the hell they are. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly had the parts of that, 
and I think Closer to the Heart might have been written. Not much else besides that. The rest of it was done on the spot. It was sort of how we were working back then because we didn't have time. You're on the road all the time, so you have to write as you're moving. And uh, Lifeson says, Xanadu was well rehearsed before going to Rockfield. I remember that. On the day we recorded it, Pat Moran, the resident engineer, set all the mics up and we ran the song down partially to get balances and tones. Because it was a long song, we didn't need to complete the test run. Then we played it a second time from top to bottom, and that's what you hear on the album. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is the most insane thing. To play this song so perfectly is mind-blowing. So it says, needless to say, Pat was shocked that we ran an 11-minute <laughs> song down in one complete take. Practice doesn't always make perfect, but it sure helps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's crazy. It, yeah, it's just... It is awe-inspiring to yeah. think that they played this song in one take. Really? I mean, and all the percussion that Neil was doing, all those little chimes he was hitting. Just all the transitions. Unbelievable. I know. Really. Really this incredible. It's just turning into like an awe-filled podcast. Yeah, this, this podcast is getting to be a little sickening. A little fawning. <laughs> uh, Neil said the song was the most complex and multi-textured piece we have ever attempted. And they did it in one take. <laughs> sure. No problem. No problem. It's unbelievable. I love the slow build at the beginning. The slow build really kind of puts you in some kind of like pastoral location. You know what I mean? This is like, this is the setting of a movie that they're creating here. The beginning of this song, what is it, like two, three minutes long before the you hear the horses? Yeah. It's two minutes before you, before you hear, before the guitars kick in. Yeah. And it's just setting, you're listening to it and you're like, man, this is this is a really cool scene I'm in. It's, you know, cinematic. Yeah. And it's almost like we're traveling to Xanadu. Yeah. We're slowly, we're, on the way. we're slowly making our journey yep. to Xanadu. It's incredible. And then five minutes in, <laughs> we finally get there. Right. When do the lyrics kick in? Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, I listened I listen to the, the song on the, on the way home from work today. The guitars kick in at two minutes. The lyrics come in pretty much right at five minutes. Wow. Yeah. And it's like like I'm journeying right. to Xanadu. And right before the lyrics start, the music just kind of stops for a little bit, right? Yeah. It just kind of fades. Yeah. The keyboard kind of sound kind of fades. Really is incredible. God. And yeah, and it, that sounds like the beginning of a journey. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, I always thought this would be a great song to open a set with. Like if they started... You lots, know, of, lots of dry ice. If it's dark... You know, let's picture that the stage is dark. Yeah. You got the dry ice going. You can't see the band, but you just start hearing yeah. the beginnings of Xanadu. Yeah. As it builds, the lights come up. Yeah. And you see, maybe you see Neil, and then maybe you see Alex, and maybe you see Getty. Yeah. I don't know if they ever did that. I don't know. I can tell you, though, that when we saw it for the first time live, which you just looked up was on the counterparts. Yeah. It was glorious yeah because we had never heard them play it live before and at that point i never thought i'd ever hear them do it live right who knew who knew if they were going to do it again oh yeah amazing just a beautiful song i remember looking at you and thinking this This is is the the, greatest moment of our lives this is the greatest (laughs) and it was it was at that moment at least it was it really was that's how that's how insane rush fans we were yeah and are yeah what a great song yeah what just a great song um and neil he got the idea for the song, I guess, for the lyrics from Citizen Kane. Yeah, I guess. Because that opens up the movie, the 
Now, I have to admit, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Is that wrong? No. It's, it's widely it, considered as the greatest movie of all time by some. No? Yeah. I mean, I saw it. It's, it's okay. Was it the greatest movie you've ever seen? <laughs> um, uh, so in it, what way is it based on Citizen Kane? Um, only, I think, that he saw the opening lines of the movie is a quote from the beginning of, oh, okay. of Kublai Khan, the poem. Oh, I got it. Okay. In, in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome degree. So he kind of lifted portions of the lyrics from From, from the poem. From the poem. Yeah. The poem. Do you know how the poem came about? No, I don't. You know, Sammy Taylor Coldridge, everyone's friend. Yes. And, you know, he wrote uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Too. Oh, okay. And yeah, I called him Sammy. Just in case you're wondering. So the story- Because he's your friend. Because the story behind this is that he, <laughs> he was kind of hooked on opium. He was kind of an opium addict. So now, he, isn't anyone who uses opium kind of hooked on it? <laughs> I don't know. So he took some opium. <laughs> this is the story that he told, right? Okay. He took some opium and uh, fell into an, a, a sleep, and he had an opium-induced vivid dream. He had been he had been reading a book about Kublai Khan. Okay. Right, and Xanadu is the actual name of Kublai Khan's summer home. Really? Yeah. So it's an it was an actual place, and. He was reading that book and he had this vivid dream about, you know, Kublai Khan and the stately pleasure dome and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when he woke up, he was like, oh my God, this is great. So he had like a few hundred lines in his head and he just started writing them down. And then he was interrupted by somebody. The person who interrupted him, he described as a person from Porlock. And after the guy went away, he sat back down to write the poem and it was gone. So the poem is unfinished. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I, evidently, in in uh, some literary circles, the phrase "a person from Porlock" means that you've interrupted genius. Wow! That your genius has been. And that came from that yeah. instance. I mean, I've never heard anybody use it. Not being a genius, who has <laughs> <laughs> ever been interrupted in his genius thoughts? But can you imagine? Yeah, that's You'd be crazy. Like, oh man! So Kublai Khan's summer home was called the Pleasure Dome. No, it's called Xanadu. It's called Xanadu. Yeah. So what's the Pleasure Dome? To stand within the pleasure dome. And one can only imagine <laughs> what the... Now, now I don't know much about Kublai Khan. I really I should have much. read up on my history. Now, was he the son or the father of Genghis Khan? Oh, man. Come on. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. Let's look it up and then go back and edit no, it. No, we don't need we don't need to we don't need to figure. I was just I thought maybe you knew. Doesn't matter. So the song's out to do. Yes. Another person on a quest. Yes. A great quest. Yeah. Right. It's typical He's, of uh, a few rush songs. Yeah. He hears about this place, mm-hmm. Xanadu, and the stately pleasure dome decree. And he's like, I want to go to Xanadu. <laughs> I want to I want to see what Xanadu is all about. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And I don't remember. Do you remember ever, um, you know, the first line is to seek the sacred river Alf. Mm-hmm. Did you ever remember singing uh, to seek the sacred sitcom alf you used to do that i used to do that yes <laughs> i don't remember i don't remember me doing it i remember you was, was doing it annoying it. yes <laughs> it was very annoying i loved it <laughs> yeah that was that was your joke that was we my were, joke when we were 18 years old <laughs> i still think it's funny <laughs> so yeah i mean the 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 um the lyrics are basically the poem for the most part mm-hmm. um with some difference the the ending of the song is not in the poem obviously because this poem isn't um, it's not finished. It's not finished. So Neil where, had to finish it. Right. Where he becomes a mad immortal man because he goes to Xanadu and becomes immortal thinking that 
this is great. I'm going to be immortal. Mm-hmm. But it's like a monkey's paw kind of situation. He's immortal. So everybody he ever knows just kind of dies around. Right. Like he just can't escape. It would be great to be immortal if everyone, if you know, at least you had a couple of friends who were also immortal. I guess. You'd get sick of them too, though. <laughs> That's true. Right? How many times? It's a blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. Sure right? is. Yeah, it's just, a, it's such a great imaginative song from beginning to end. Here's a question for you. Yeah. How good is honeydew, really? Honeydew is interesting. Uh, we used to have a honeydew plant in our backyard. When really? I was growing up. Yep. And you could go right up to them and- So you have dined on honeydew. <laughs> you have dined on honeydew. <laughs> They had like a little, they had like a little, I guess the stamen in the middle of this little flower and you could take it out and, and suck on it or eat it huh. and it tasted So sweet. your backyard was sort of a Xanadu. Oh man. Yeah. Who knew? It, it definitely was a pleasure dome. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm laughing at anymore, Jer. <laughs> it's the, my backyard pleasure dome. <laughs> All right. So yeah, the, so the song is great. Obviously it starts off with, um, you know, he hears these whispered tales of, Immortality. Uh, immortality. And he's like, uh, let's, let's have some of that. Yeah. Um, and, and he hears about the pleasure dome and all that kind of stuff. When he gets there, he's, a, it's a thousand years have come and gone, but time has passed me by. Stars stopped in the sky, frozen in an everlasting view. It's torture. Yeah. It is torture. But again, it's sort of like, it harkens back a little bit to the fountain of Lemneth. Yeah. He hears about this wonderful place. He wants to go find it. And when he gets there, it's not what he thought it was. Mm. basically yeah so how does this song compare to olivia newton john's xanadu <laughs> what would you which would you say is the better song uh you know i never really saw xanadu the movie <laughs> the roller skating movie right this is the second time i brought up olivia on the podcast you know i love her uh, what was this first time oh we were talking um in feedback that she did a version of summertime blues <laughs> Just a joke. Olivia Newton-John, she was she was very very. I don't know. Did I ever tell you that I met her? No. I work in media, and I spent a good hour with Olivia Newton-John. Really recording public service announcements. Really, and she was just as awesome as you would imagine. She was probably the nicest. I've met a few celebrities in my life just because of my line of work. She's the nicest, most down to earth. She was awesome. That's great. And uh, she's now going through cancer like Neil was. Oh, really? Tragically. I think breast cancer. Mm. But oh, she was she was amazing. And I think at the time she was 50, she looked amazing. Really? Amazing. So anyway, I think this version of Zenith oh, yeah, was this, better. Yeah. I would think. Definitely. So here's another question for you. Okay. This song, I think could have been an instrumental i guess could have been could have been. i mean the first half of the song basically is an instrumental yeah i'm glad it's not but no, I'm, I'm, sure glad it it's, I'm glad it's not too yeah i was just going to ask you how you would rank it you know with i don't want to play that game, you don't want to play that game <laughs> I, don't, I can't rank it as an instrumental because it's not an instrumental i don't, I don't have the imagination to to imagine this song as an instrumental okay i guess i could just not sing the lyrics all right. <laughs> and it would be an instrumental. But just as, God, this song is so good. I am like tongue-tied. Yeah. Really. And again, Alex's guitar sound, the solo, it's just, everything's just great. Yeah, those little jabs he does uh, yeah. with the guitar. <sighs> I've got one last quote yeah. from Getty. Getty says, this is one of the greatest live songs we have ever done. Yes. And I would agree with I that. I agree. 
this is one of the the two songs that I always look forward to hearing live. What do you think the other one is for me? Is it one they didn't usually play a lot? They played it about as much as they played this. Uh, Red Barchetta. No. <sighs> Natural Science. Oh yeah. For me. No, that, that was great. That was science. one of my favorite live songs ever. Oh man, yeah, I agree. What a crazy song yeah. that song is. And live, unbelievable. Yeah. So anything else on Xanadu, Jer, before we uh, wrap up this half? No, I, I just in, I'm in such awe of this song. It's, it's almost like I can't even dissect it too much. It's just the song is so perfect that I don't even want it. Everything you need to know about the song is written right there. You yeah. Know, there's not a lot to, you know, unpack. Not that the song isn't fantastic, but it's just, I don't know. It's such an incredible song. Well, we have a lot of new Rush fans that listen to the podcast, people who are, you know, 17, 18 years old. If you don't have a Farewell to Kings, yeah, go out and get it. Right. This is a must-have for any Rush fan. Yeah. So if you haven't purchased this one yet, this is one to get. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do you remember the order in which you bought Rush albums? I don't. Either do I. I. I know I had moving pictures first. I'm pretty sure I had signals second. And after that, I have no idea. I feel like I just went to the record store and bought them all. I think I may have. <laughs> I think I may have. I know for sure I had moving pictures first. That I know. And I'm pretty sure after Power Windows, after we went to the Power Windows show, yeah. I had all the albums not long after that. Yeah. I mean, and, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I'm not kidding, I might have just all bought them at the yeah, same day. Because I didn't have Power Windows when we went to see them. Yeah, either did I. So I may have had two albums when we went to see them, and then after that, I probably just went and got them all. Yeah. In no particular order. Yeah. Which is why I'm a little envious of Rush fans who got to listen to the progression. You know, they had 2112 and the first three albums, and then they went out and bought a Farewell to Kings the day it came out. I know. Can you imagine sitting down and listening to this for the first time? That must have been amazing. I mean, we did it at we, some point. We did it at some point. But, but we didn't have that. But looking forward to the next Rush album. Yeah. And, and this is it. Yeah. <laughs> Very envious. What? Very envious. Yeah. So, so if you're about 10 years older than us and you experienced this, shoot us an email. Let us know what, what you thought the when, first time you heard. And when you drop that needle down on yeah. on. A farewell to Kings. Email Jerry at the Rushcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RushFanCast, Instagram the Rushcast. And um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, farewell to Kings is great. On the next podcast, we're going to do side two of A Farewell to Kings. A Farewell to Kings, which is four songs. Wow. Yeah. So we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So until next time, Jerry, do you have a quote for me? I do, Steve. You do? I know. You're very surprised. I'm very surprised. It's. Can't we raise our eyes and make a start? Can't we find the minds to lead us closer to the heart? I don't think we can. Let's find out. Take it easy. All right, bye.